God, creator, redeemer, and giver of life. Amen. Good morning and wonderful to see you. Happy Pentecost. Good to see you right there. This morning, we're not only celebrating the Feast of Pentecost, we're also celebrating our graduating seniors. We're praying for them. We're blessing them as they leave, leave behind the known world of high school, enter into a very grown-up world of pandemics and politics and uncertainty and anxiety. Even those going to college in the fall don't quite know what it's going to look like for them. And so I want to speak to the seniors right now just for a second. Listen, obviously the world is as uncertain as it's been in a very long time, and that can feel pretty scary. But remember this. When Lewis and Clark set out on their journey, they had no idea what they were facing either. It literally was uncharted territory that they were entering into, completely unknown. But they were explorers, not tourists. They had no idea where they were going, but they knew how to read a compass. They knew how to hunt for food. They knew how to build a raft. And they knew how to ask for help along the way. And so do you. It might not always feel like it, but you have all been very well prepared. So become an explorer, not a tourist. And you'll never need to know exactly where you're going. You've got everything you need to make your way. You're smarter than you know. You're stronger than you know. And you are loved way more than you'll ever know. And you have a whole community behind you rooting for you. So you've got this. And we've got your back. And when things feel overwhelming and scary, remember, you're not alone. The most important thing that you can do is develop your networks of support and friendship. Invest in your loved ones and in your mentors. And they will be there for you and we will be there for you. So, years ago, a young woman, I'm gonna call her Sally, Sally, had not seen her mother since she was 16 years old, not since the night when her mom came home from a bar with a big hairy man named Grizz. It was the middle of the night, it was a school night too, Sally was up late doing her homework when she heard her mom and Grizz stumble into the kitchen. Sally came down to check on her mom and there she was with Grizz who looked like, you know, some kind of hell's angel. They were both drunk and carrying on, drinking cheap vodka out of a bottle, hanging all over each other. And when Sally turned to go back up to her room, Grizz made a lewd remark about Sally's backside and then made a grab for her right there in front of her mother. And instead of getting mad and standing up for her daughter, Sally's mom laughed as if it was the funniest thing in the world. Well, that was it. 
that did it. That was the last straw. Never again, she said. 16 years growing up with this alcoholic, irresponsible, abusive woman. No more, she said to herself. And so she called up her boyfriend, Mark, and they drove away in his car, and she never looked back. And for the next 10 years, she didn't see her mom even once. Not when she graduated from high school, not when a few years later her mom joined AA and got sober and called to make amends, not even five years later when her mom, still sober, joined my church and got remarried. Sally didn't even come to the wedding. By then, I learned later, Sally herself was drinking pretty heavily and hating herself for it and blaming her mom for it she had tried so hard to get free of her mom, hadn't even seen her in 10 years, but she was still caught up in her. And then one night, she woke up out of a dead sleep. A voice was calling to her. It was her mother's voice calling her name. She got up and started packing her bags as if for a trip, and she didn't even know where she was going. And then the phone rang, and it was her mom, she was in the hospital. Six hours later, Sally had flown across the country to be with her. When I walked into the hospital room later that day, they were holding hands and laughing and weeping as if nothing had ever come between them. And Sally's mom said, Father Matthew, this is my daughter, Sally. And all I could think of to say was, she sure is. Amazing things happen when we listen to the Spirit. Pentecost is this day when we celebrate the ways in which God helps us find one another. Despite our own anger and confusion, we find these moments of forgiveness through cultural and language barriers. We find a common human experience when fear and dread seizes our minds as it did when those disciples were in that upper room. Somehow a voice says, peace be with you. Do not be afraid. And somehow there's this breakthrough. And almost always the breakthrough comes because something deep inside us, against the best advice of our wounded pride and our hurt feelings and our unbridled anxiety, something deep inside us has spoken. And we've answered, yes. In my work over these past 30 years as a priest, I've ha I have to say that I've seen it go both ways. I've seen miraculous moments of forgiveness, like with Sally and her mom, and I've also seen the look on a man's face when he cannot forgive his dying father, and that is not a pretty sight. The truth of the matter is that sometimes the call from the hospital comes too late. We don't hear the quiet voice whispering in the night. Sometimes the alcoholic parent fails to get sober. Sometimes animosities and grudges and addictions and self-pitying judgments define us all the way to our very last breath. 
At the heart of our human condition, there is, to quote a line from one of my favorite movies, Cool Hand Luke, a failure to communicate. Ever since the Tower of Babel, we've been failing to understand one another. Some of us know this all too well. During this time of COVID, we've been cooped up for weeks with people who, whom we sometimes simply fail to understand. We keep running into these moments when we just can't find the words. We just can't think of what to say next. It's, it's having the same argument you've been having with the same person over and over again for years and you feel like you're just trapped in this perpetual cycle of misunderstanding and hurt. It's watching someone you love start to pull away and no matter what you say, you can't get them back. It's having a disease that no one can diagnose and the doctors start to say that you're making it up. It's being the victim of a crime when there are no witnesses and the police refuse to take you seriously. This is the alienation that lies at the heart of the human condition. And this day of Pentecost is the day when we remind ourselves that the spirit of understanding is always at work, whether we acknowledge it or not. This force of connection and love always is seeking to overcome our estrangement and our loneliness. The spirit of God is always seeking to connect us one to another. It's rushing us to the bedside of a sick friend and it's our friend immediately holding out their hand and us taking it and everything that has separated us just dissolving away. We are really so much more deeply connected than we know with our conscious minds. For me, sometimes it feels like we're all fish swimming in, a, in the same stream and that stream is the loving reality of God. It's far bigger than us. It's constantly flowing. It's ever-present. And it's often invisible to us. Invisible, that is, until our hearts break open, our ego grudges and our animosities melt away, and we finally awaken to one another, soul to soul. When Jesus tried to talk about all of this, he, he used metaphors of life-giving connection and flow. Our hearts, he said, would flow with rivers of living water. Drink of this water and you will never thirst, he kept saying. He talked about the essential elements of life, bread and wine, soil and seeds, wind and fire and breath. He used these elemental metaphors because these are the fundamental ingredients of our common human experience. Every living creature needs water and soil. You don't need to be a Jew or a Christian or a Muslim to know how it feels when you're desperately thirsty and that first drop of cold, fresh water hits your tongue. The Spirit speaks to all of us Judeans and Cappadocians, residents of Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Democrats and Republicans, drug addicts and teetotalers, urban hipsters and small town squares, all of us, no matter how divided we are, 
All of us know what it's like to be saved when we thought we were lost. All of us know what it feels like to have the sun on our face after a long, lonely winter. I met a man once, a recovering alcoholic, who told me the hardest part about staying sober was not the rehab, and it wasn't going to all the meetings or having a sponsor or working the steps. No, the hardest part of staying sober was simply opening himself every day to the Spirit of God in prayer. The hardest thing was letting the source of life direct him to step into that river and instead of fighting against the current, to fall backwards and to trust the current. It takes courage to do that. And to be honest, most of us are just not brave enough for that. And so we get there by another means. We get there because we're desperate. We get there when we've reached the end of our rope, when we've gotten to the limits of where our egos and our ambitions and our desires and our attachments and our stories can take us when we've gotten sick and tired of all the noise that fills up our heads with nonsense and lies, when we've become desperate enough to face the silence, and then we join with the silence, and we become quiet enough to hear the soft, whispering voice. That voice is speaking to us now. It's always speaking to us. And then, as Auden says, our magic syllables melt away, our tribal formulae are laid bare, and we are left with nothing but our own heartbeat, our breath, this moment. And in that silence, we say yes. Amen.